Welcome to the podcast of Fairmount Presbyterian Church in Cleveland Heights, Ohio, where we feature our worship sermons. Listen again to past sermons from home, when you are traveling, or wherever you are. Listen in if you need a moment of reflection, inspiration, and love. Well, Fairmounters, there's no easy way to break this news. I've recently been diagnosed with a disease. And even though it's extremely common these days, you've probably never heard of it. It's called Zeitkrankheit. Symptoms include fatigue, anxiety, depression, and chronic stress. And while it is treatable, it can be debilitating, fatal even. Now, it's not a genetic disease. It's transmissible. It's contagious. And you can catch this disease just the same as you might catch a cold. But unlike a cold or COVID-19 for that matter, Zeitkrankheit isn't an airborne disease, nor is it waterborne or bloodborne. Actually, you could say that Zeitkrankheit is in a unique category of infections. It's what I'd call a culture-borne disease. To put it plainly, you can contract Zeitkrankheit by simply living your everyday ordinary life by breathing in the environment of our contemporary society. So what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that just as you might catch COVID-19 by breathing in contaminated air, you can get Zeitkrankheit by cultural osmosis, a process whereby your attitudes and Behaviors are shaped by and conform to the norms and expectations of the world around us, a world that demands that we do more, that we move faster, that we keep busy, that we tirelessly work to become more efficient, more productive, more successful. And so that's precisely what Zeitkrankheit means. It's a compound German word, that means time sickness. And the idea that some scholars are putting forward is that we are literally becoming sick, both physically and spiritually, because we are trying to move faster than is healthy for our human bodies and our spirits. Okay, maybe you're thinking, Ryan, what are you talking about? <laughs> Zeitkrankheit? Never heard of it, not a real disease. (laughs) Look, the way I see it, like COVID, actually, the longer that we're exposed to Zeitkrankheit, the less of a threat it seems. In fact, I'd say we've become so used to Zeitkrankheit that we've begun to accept its ubiquity, its constant presence. And we maybe even have come to think of it as benign. It just is. It's the way things are. But here's the thing. Whether we realize it or not, I believe that prolonged exposure to a culture of busyness, hyper-productivity, and over-functioning only serves to increase the severity of our Zeitkrankheit symptoms. I hope by now you still may think that I'm a little off today, but I hope that you're tracking with me a little bit, and perhaps you're even wondering, do I have Zeitkrankheit too? Well, the FDA has yet to issue emergency authorization for at-home Zeitkrankheit tests. 
So instead, I'm going to tell you the story of how I tested positive for Zeitkrankheit in the hopes that it might help you diagnose yourself too. So here it goes. Near the beginning of this summer, I was invited to a clergy retreat, a gathering of 15 senior pastors from large Presbyterian churches all over the country, from Colorado to the Carolinas, from Austin to Atlanta. And the setting for our retreat was Skamania County, Washington, at a resort nestled into the Cascade Mountains along the Columbia River Gorge. I've been looking forward to this retreat for weeks. I'd been so busy all spring, and I needed some rest. Now, the night before I left for the retreat, I hosted an interfaith gathering that a few of you were at here at Fairmount, and I didn't get home until around 10 o'clock that night. My flight was leaving in nine hours, and my wife, Amanda, when I got home, said, how are you getting from the airport to your retreat? And I just stared at her blankly. (laughs) I called the resort only to find out that their airport shuttle service was outrageously expensive. And so I opened up my laptop, pulled up Expedia, and started to search for a rental car. And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but when you're looking for a rental car, oftentimes the cheapest option is the mystery car. (laughs) And that night on Expedia, it was uh, a, a shape of a car with a big red sheet over it and a white question mark on it. And Amanda told me in no uncertain terms, do not choose the mystery car but you can guess what I did, right? (laughs) So it's the church's money. I'm being a good steward. Well, after the next morning, I got on my flight. After a layover in San Francisco, I landed in Portland, and I calculated that if everything went smoothly at the rental counter, I'd be at the resort with a half an hour to spare before our first meeting that afternoon. Perfect timing. You know this is going to go wrong, right? Are you ready at first? Are you ready to find out what was under the red sheet? It was a black Toyota Tacoma pickup truck. <laughs> and so I loaded my bag inside the truck. I set the GPS. I was on the road. Everything still according to plan. And I was about five minutes into this last leg of my journey. I had just merged onto 205 North, which is the highway that stretches across the Columbia River, taking you from Uh, Oregon to Washington, when suddenly I felt that something wasn't quite right with my car. And at first I tried to convince myself that it was nothing to worry about. You know, I'm not used to driving a pickup truck. (laughs) But it became impossible to ignore, and I needed to pull over. But I was on a bridge, and there really wasn't anywhere to pull over. Finally, when I crossed over and got to the other side of the bridge, there was a shoulder along the highway where I was able to pull over, and I got out of the truck to go check things out, and it didn't take long to identify the problem. My rear driver's side tire was shredded and smoking. And so first, I texted Lindsay to tell her where I was in case I was eaten by a bear, so that somebody could find me. 
And then I called my insurance company to have them come out and put the spare tire on. Um, they got there within an hour, got the tire on. I was back on the road. I was going to be late, a little off schedule, but just barely. And I had a story to tell, too. Now, the next few days, the retreat was everything that I hoped it would be. It was deep conversations about theology and pastoral leadership with some of the brightest pastors in our denomination. Good food and drink around a fire at night, all while surrounded by stunning forests and majestic mountains and water and stars. The retreat lasted until Friday at noon, and the very last small group conversation I had that morning was the most poignant of the week for me. I was sitting around a table with a few of the other pastors, and we were invited to discuss our greatest ministry challenges and opportunities. And I honestly can't even remember what I was sharing about when one of the other pastors, a seasoned senior pastor of a very large congregation in Charlotte, turned to me and said something like, Ryan, I'm just getting to know you this week, and so take this for what it's worth. It's clear to me that you are very creative, very driven pastor, doing a lot of innovative ministry, but if there's one piece of advice I'd give you, it's to slow down, to create some margins in your ministry, he said. I thanked him for his honest and well-intentioned advice, and I really meant it. I knew he was right. I myself had been saying that I knew I needed to slow down. And that was the end of our retreat. Folks said their goodbyes and headed back home. I, however, had plans to stick around for a little while longer. You see, in booking my return flight, I decided that the most efficient option, of course, would be to take a red eye back that Friday night. That way, I could work remotely all afternoon at the resort, sleep on the plane, land in Cleveland around 9.30, head straight downtown to the Pride Parade and join other Fairmounters there and march in it and get back for worship the next morning. I thought to myself, I could offer a master course in time management. But then God poked me again because I still wasn't getting it. One of the other retreatants saw me sitting there working away at my computer that afternoon, and he gently encouraged me to put my computer away and go for a hike. And so begrudgingly, I made my way into the wild beauty of the Cascades, hiking up a pine-crested trail, winding itself towards the peak of Wind Mountain. And as I hiked along, my experiences of those past few days were rolling around in my head and my heart, especially the image of my flat tire and of margins. When I reached the summit, the trees cleared and I could see nothing but miles and miles of clear blue skies, churning waters below, and mountains receding as far as I could see into the distance. And I could hear nothing but the wind softly rattling the branches of the trees below me. And I sat up there at the top of this mountain on a rock, and I began to cry. 
after a long time sitting there in solitude, I pulled out my phone from my pocket and I called my wife. And I don't remember exactly how I started that conversation, and I'm sure it made no sense to her. (laughs) But it ended with me saying that I realized that I needed some margins. And so could I pretty please stay two more days in a cabin by myself in the mountains? (laughs) She is a saint. She said yes. (laughs) And over those two days, I went for more hikes. I sat alone in the vast wilderness and I listened for the Holy Spirit. I read, I prayed, I rested, and I even wrote a poem about my experience that week. And I'd like to share it with you this morning. I titled it, Narrow Margins, Wide Shoulders, The Ballad of a Flat Tire That Changed the World. Can't turn back now. No time. No margin for error. Hurry up. Mountains, beautiful. Never mind. Keep your eyes ahead. Twelve minutes to go. That should leave exactly negative seven minutes. Perfect. Smell of onion, rubber in my pocket, last to arrive. Winner. A narrow but perceptible margin of victory. Who needs margins anyway? Keep watching. I can slice it even thinner. Slice, slice, slice. Here you go, a slice for you and for you. Slice, slice, slice. Don't check my treads. When it finally blew, I denied it until I couldn't. And so I slowed down and sought the safety of a wider margin. So that's it, Fairmounters. That was the moment I knew that I had Zeitkrankheit. And, you know, I didn't even have to swab the inside of my nostrils to find out. (laughs) Look, your story is different than mine. You've probably never cried in the Cascade Mountains. And I'm willing to bet that you've never blown a tire on a pickup truck and subsequently wrote a poem about how you came to see it as a gift from God. But I wonder, what is your story? What's your experience living with margins that have become too narrow? Have you had a metaphorical flat A moment when you were worn just a little too thin, when you were forced to confront your own limitations. If you can identify with my story in any way, if you can see pieces of your experience in my story, even if all the details are different, if you can, then I think you know what Zeitkrankheit feels like. These days when we talk about the pandemic, We always mean COVID, right? But I really believe that there's another pandemic, one that we should be taking just as seriously as we have COVID. When it comes to Zeitkrankheit, the other pandemic, let me start with the bad news. The infection rate in this country is virtually 100%. But the good news 
The good news is that this pandemic is treatable. There's no vaccine, and masks won't protect us from this one, but there is a course of treatment. There are ways that we can build up our immunity to protect ourselves against time sickness. Next Sunday, I'll continue to tell this story, and we'll talk about our path to recovery, a life on the other side of this pandemic. But let me leave you with a word of warning. There's only one way to get there, and that's by dying. As we confront this pandemic, this disease of time sickness, we may find ourselves like Jesus, feeling sad and anxious, feeling as if we are dying, pleading with God, please don't make me go through this. But if we're faithful and if we are courageous, we will find the strength to respond as Jesus did, saying, God, not what I want, but what you want. This I deliver to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Mother of us all. Amen. We thank you for listening to a worship episode from Fairmount Presbyterian Church. Revisit this podcast site weekly for new worship episodes. Have a beautiful and blessed day.